in a series on the book of Ephesians, and we've been looking at a lot of things. We've got a lot of messages passed. You can check them out and catch up if you want to. Um, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and he's the gift of God to us. And I want to I focus in even tightly today and talk about him as the gift of God, but the gift of power that comes in the Holy Spirit. So with all that said... Um, Ephesians chapter 3, if you have your Bible, you can go there. We provide scripture on screen, but I'd love for you to bring your Bible each week because I'm going to uh, add verses uh, in my sermon that I've already written, and I'm doing it on purpose so that uh, I leave verses out so that you go, oh, I'm going to miss it if I don't bring my Bible. I do that intentionally. So uh, so I'm going to get one here in a little while, and if you don't have a Bible, take the one from the guy next to you and He has to forgive you for that. But anyway, the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 from the New American Standard Bible. Paul says, it's a benediction. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and to him be the glory in Christ Jesus, and be the glory to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This section is the benediction after the prayer that Tim just read and prayed. Tim prayed, didn't he pray? I knew he, I know Tim's a praying man. How many of you heard people say prayers and then they're praying people? Tim's one of those guys. Uh, But this is the benediction from that prayer that Paul had written in the earlier verses, um, starting in the 14th verse, where he says, I bow my knees, and then he goes into this prayer. Um, The apostle Paul had a heart that was close to God's heart, and his, his ear was always open to the Holy Spirit. Therefore, as a beautiful shepherd of Jesus' sheep, He prayed this spirit-led, spirit-filled heart prayer about his heart for us, for the Ephesian Christians and for all the Christians of his day. Through all generations, this prayer echoes down. He had a revelation from the Holy Spirit what the saints of God needed most. Tim talked about that. He mentioned that. And note that there's a posture to this apostle. I don't necessarily think you have to or need to, and I'm sure Paul didn't always kneel when he prayed. But this one got him so, that he fell to his knees and prayed this prayer. What was this prayer? That the power of God's Spirit would work in us and through us. The Spirit of God working in us is for what he And he continued to ask this. This was his desire for each of us. That God would grant us, according to the riches of his glory, that each one of us would be strengthened with the power of his spirit in our inner being so that Christ would live in our heart through faith. I was studying a bunch of commentaries on this, and I I found out that this word to live in or to dwell in There are two Greek words that you can use for this. One Greek word is uh, a temporary dwelling, like if you're running an Airbnb, right, and you go there and you stay a week or so, and it's so awesome, right? Hopefully it's awesome, but it's not your place. And sometimes you think, man, I wish this was our place, right? But you have to go back to your place and thank God for your place or my place or whatever. But there's a word that means a temporary dwelling. That's not the word he uses. He prays that the Holy Spirit would empower us so that Jesus, that we would know that he has taken up permanent residence within us. Jesus and his anointing is taking up permanent residence in us. And by that, we have a revelation of the love of God that's beyond what we can reach, beyond, beyond the, the ability for us to walk, to, to understand that we're filled beyond our knowledge with all the fullness of God. That's what Paul prayed. Man, what an incredible, incredible prayer. So this is, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit today. Now, 
Remember last week I said there are seasons and times when we don't feel the power, but God's spirit is working in us and through us, and a lot of times others recognize it and we don't even recognize it. And, 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 and not to freak out if, if, if you're going through a time or a season where, where there's, there's pressure and it's coming. But we said, though, is to watch the scale because if that continues over a long period of time, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? I'll give these out to anyone who knows the answer. No, I won't either. I'm so, I won't give. But I'll pretend like I No, it's we need to reach out, right? Remember that? Reach out. Pretend like you heard last week, just to make me feel better. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. I was just saying to my wife, right? Yeah, no, you weren't. Anyway, the power. We're talking about the power today. There, the, the word power in the Greek is mentioned three times in this benediction, and there's a form of the word power that's different, but, it's, but, but, but I, want, I want to break that down for a minute. The word power in the Greek comes from the word dunamis, it's where we get our English word dynamic and dynamite. When you think of dynamite and that baby goes off, right? That's the, that's the word picture Paul's talking about here. That this detonation of divinity goes off on the inside of us and, and, and creates a permanent position from which God in his grace launches his church and launches our lives, the power, the dunamai, it, it means the first time it's used is dunamai, and it means the, the ability to do something that you can't do, but you can do because you have the dunamis. Look at your neighbor and say, do you have the dunamis? Do you have the dunamis? It's in a present participle form, which means it happens and keeps on happening. It, this, it doesn't just happen once. But it's a continual, repeated happening. And then he uses the word hyper, and it means to have an abundant ability that is super abundant. Like, not just like where you're the best. Where it's like if Michael Jordan's ability was, was placed in your body and, and, and all of a sudden your basketball talent would be a little bit better, right? It would be hyper better compared to some of us, right? Um, yeah, that's the word. This spirit power is a hyper super abundant. And then the phrase uh, that says, energeo and ego, not Lego, my ego, but energeo and ego, which means an energy in the eye of me, the eye and eye, the, my ego, my inner, what makes me me and what makes you you, that God has placed this present participle working energy that's working and will work and never stop working. We sing about it. He never stops working, not only in the world, but inside of us who believe. And Paul is praying that we will not only get that once, but twice and three times a believer and on and on, that this continues to become the permanent dwelling place within us. We're talking about the gift. It's not, you don't have to earn this. It's already been bought and paid for. Arabon, signed, sealed, delivered. A promise to never leave. We've already seen that through the blood of Jesus paid in full. Now, imagine with me if God said, hey, those of you in Western Maryland, if you go to 11507 Moss Avenue, and just get on the premises. Just go there. Trust me, go where I tell you to go. I will place you in a realm of a dynamic that you can find nowhere else or in no thing else. Just go to a location where I tell you to go by faith, and when you're there, you will experience a realm of dynamism. A, a, a never stop working energy on the inside of you where Christ will reign in your life just by positioning yourself in that location. A realm where unlimited potential is working on the inside of you 
and me a life-changing dynamic that makes more than a world of difference in you and those around you. Imagine if there was a location like that. And God said, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've left undone. But if you go to this location geographically, that is what you'll get because I promise. Right? Well, that is what God's promised, and there is a location of that. As we looked in weeks ago, for a person in the accusative moment that God has created when they hear and they believe, they really believe, they hang all of it on the work of Jesus, really believe it, regardless of who you are, what you haven't done, what you'll never do or be, and all that you can't pay for that you've done you regret. For the act of hanging it all on Jesus, he will place within you the location, is what Paul describes here, on the inside of us, the unlimited, hyper-super-abundant person and personal unlimited potential of this one called the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah. I want to speak in more specific terms about teasing out this idea of location. Where is the dunamis? Where is the location in the believer where the Holy Spirit wants to take us um, you know, there, there are these things we know. I, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a guy that knows much about the sea or knows about how to navigate the waters. But, you know, I've been told there are these sea lanes where, where, where it's easier to navigate than in other places. You find the sea lanes and it's connected to the wind currents that you can make better time by getting into the sea. Well, remember I talked a few weeks ago about the conveyor belt or being in the airport where you can walk from here to, to gate B or you can get on the, uh, the conveyor belt and you can stand there and get there or you can walk and really go. That's the picture. That there's, a, there's a spiritual law fixed in the world and you're in the spirit and the spirit wants us to walk in that lane, that sea lane, or the trade winds, using metaphors of the Bible to describe the working of the Holy Spirit? Where does the Holy Spirit want to take us so that we can live in the dunamis? Number one, where is the dunamis? It is, ready, it is experienced as the message of Christ and the cross is in the center of you, me, and us. You want to know where the dunamis of God is? It is experienced in, in, in when the message of Jesus and the cross is in the center of you, me, and us. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity in himself, he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the, say it, the one, one word that Satan hates the most, say it, cross. By it, what did he do? He put to death the enmity. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Where is the location? I want you to picture yourself. I want you to picture yourself in this bond to Jesus. Remember how I said the Holy Spirit never goes anywhere Jesus isn't? And this, Jesus never goes anywhere? where this, They're inseparable. Two different persons but inseparable in character and personality, right? The Lord our God, the Lord is one, one in three persons. When we stay by faith bonded to Jesus and he is the center of all of this, there is nothing about church that excites me like Jesus does. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Lift high the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. When we with yonder sacred throng, we at his feet may fall, we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. That's where, that's where the power is. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 1, for the message of the cross or the logos of the cross, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Do you know people are perishing? 
But to us who are being saved, see, when you receive Jesus, you're saved. And as we walk with him, we're being saved. And then when he comes back, we will be fully saved. Past, present, future. But to us who are being saved, what is the message of the cross? It is the dunamis of God. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, I love this, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Where the Holy Spirit wants us, us to say in the accusative singular, just like the, uh, the equippers are to stay net menders and, and, and flock feeders. Try to say that twice fast. Flock, fe- flock feeders. The Holy Spirit wants us in the sea lane where Jesus is at the center and Jesus is in the middle of the lampstands. And he's not in the lobby, he's in the center, he's at the altar. He's here. It's the pa- He's the power. The Holy Spirit makes that clear. But not just Jesus, but the message of the cross. Say it again, the cross. Would you say it one more time? I just want the Satan to hear the message. Cross. He knows what happened there. He knows what happened there. For years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died at Calvary. Come on, singers. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. Come on. Don't ever accuse me of not bringing old songs to church. I was raised on those bad boys. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. And so with that, like Fanny Crosby, Jesus... Keep the church near the cross. There, a precious fountain. Free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my ransomed soul shall find rest beyond the river. Where is the dunamis, the sea lane, the trade winds, the law of the spirit of life in Christ, the anointing that will fall easily and simply on the church. It's where the lamb is exalted. It's where the name is proclaimed. And it's where the cross is preached unashamedly. That's where the dunamis is. Number two, I'll tell you where else the dunamis is. It's experienced in the continued Filling of the Holy Spirit in the center of you, in the center of me, and in the center of us. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. How many of you are getting something out of this today? Help me out. So then, he's talking, listen, he's talking to the Ephesians 1 saints, blood-bought filled with the, he's talking to those who have the Spirit, not part of the Spirit, not parcels, the person, right? So then, he's talking to us. To us, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. That word means ruination. That means it will ruin your life. Have you ever noticed that? Anybody notice that? But instead, and this, this phrase, but be filled with the Spirit, is, is a command. It's a Greek term, command. It's not optional. It's not if you want to or not, you know. It's a, it's a command, and here's why. I'll tell you in a minute. But be filled with the Spirit. The, the, the way that is, it's like taking your mug, putting it under your, your spigot, turning on the faucet, and when it fills, you don't turn the water off. It's a continual filling. That's the picture. Be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. All right. Um, later, on, after Christmas, I'm going to unfold some other metaphors from Ephesians, and we're going to play with, uh, we're going to throw Luke over on the grid of Ephesians, and Ephesians over on the grid of Luke after Christmas. And we're going to be looking at the bride of Christ and compare the bride to the Babylon spirit of the age. There are two ways to live in this world, either in foolishness or in spiritfulness. There's only two ways. And he's talking to believers. Believers have great potential. I have great potential with the Spirit in me to live in the fullness of the Spirit or to live foolish, quenching the Spirit. You and I can live one or two ways, either in foolishness, the Greek word is moronus. I wonder what that sounds like in the English language. Paul must have read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and he goes, don't be a moron, Christian. Instead of being a moron, know what the will of God is. Well, here's the will of God. Be being filled continually with the Spirit. Now, we're either, he uses the drunken metaphor, we're either, everybody's under the influence of something. There isn't a person not under the influence of something. Either under the influence of the Spirit of this age, which is Babylon, and it's corrupt, or we're under the influence of the wine of the Spirit of God. Isn't it interesting in Acts 2 when the Spirit comes with power, with signs, and with uh, speaking in, in miraculous languages? Some go, wow, what is God doing here? And others said, these people are, right? In other words, these people are under some kind of weird influence. If we're never seen to be under some kind of weird influence, in our spirit-filled life by the people who don't know God? Maybe we should think that over a little bit. Either under the influence of the spirit of the age, which is corrupting us, or we're under the influence of the wine of the spirit, there are two ways to live. We're either submitting ourselves to be dominated by the waves and the winds of this corrupt and perverted generation or by submitting to the lordship of Jesus and to one another. We live in the joy of the Lord, the sea lane, the wind currents. We, uh, we're under the power of the law of the spirit of life which is freeing us. Or we're living under the power of the law of sin and death. And that's the only two choices we have on a daily basis, sometimes hourly basis. Have you ever felt like you got filled with the Spirit on Sunday and by three in the afternoon you leaked? <laughs> or the influence of somebody else met you soon as you got out of here and turned your whole ship upside down? That's why Paul says we have to continue to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed that you don't have to, I've noticed with me at times, I don't have to work real hard at being ugly. That comes natural to me at times. Raise your hand if you're human. Anyone else human? There's four of us in here. Four. We're either filled with the Spirit of God, anticipating like a bride the coming of our King, or we're morphing into the spirit of Babylon, drunk on the wine of her immoralities, which she calls truth and freedom. And it's more deceptive when she disguises herself as a woman of worship. So then, do not be a moron, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, 
but be being filled with the Spirit, speaking yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things to the, in the name of Jesus to the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Adam Clark, uh, uh, lived in the 1800s, said this about the fullness of God. I love this. He said, among all the great sayings in this prayer of Paul, this is the best. To be filled with God is a great thing. To be filled with the fullness of God is still greater, but to be filled with all the fullness of God is bewildering. He says to be filled with all. If this was a container of water being filled, you could say, well, we're filling this up, but you stop right here. But the picture we have is filling this baby up till it flows out, rolls out, and get all his feet wet. Huh? Gets Kevin's wet, and back it goes. Out the door, up the street, even over to the, if there's some, I don't know if the cows are over there, whoever's over there, over there, and out it goes. Gordon Fee, Dr. Gordon Fee has done more to bring clarity to me regarding the doctrine and the questions about what happens when the Holy Spirit, is he a Baptist Holy Spirit or is he a Pentecostal Holy Spirit? Is he a Catholic Holy Spirit or is he a Republican Holy Spirit? What does he watch? Which news does the Holy Spirit watch? Who did he vote for? All that. Uh, is tongues for today or not? Uh, I don't necessarily, I'm speaking as, a, as someone might say, I don't necessarily don't, uh, disagree that tongues isn't for real. It's just the people that I know that do. They're a little weird. Um, and I, so I don't know where I've seen. I've not necessarily seen awesome. I've seen a lot of, I've not, I got a lot of questions. Gordon Fee has been somebody that's really helped me. Uh, two recommended books. One, uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth is a Must by Gordon Fee. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. That's where I get the phrase that I use sometimes. The Bible can never mean what it never meant. Right? It can only mean what it meant. So if, if John meant something, someone comes along and says, well, the Holy Spirit gave me a new revelation. Bye bye we're sticking with John. He wrote it, right? You know what I mean? And the other book is Paul, the Spirit, and the People of God. Anyway, uh, I want to I just give you some quotes from, from uh, Dr., Dr. Gordon Fee talking about the dunamis of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit in God's people. It's very interesting. Just, just go with me on this. Let's go to the next slide. To early believers, yeah, to early believers, getting saved, which included repentance and forgiveness, obviously, meant especially to be filled with the Spirit. That all believers in Christ are Spirit-filled is the presupposition of the New Testament writers. There's only, and I'm going to add to Dr. Fee here, there's only one place in Acts where Paul comes across some disciples and he goes, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Because there was something different about them, right? Because it, the common normal thing was, that was, the, that was the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that came in the upper room was in Cornelius' house, right? And the Samaritans, and on and on. So, thus the imperative, where did I leave off? All right, thus the imperative is, keep on, so you have the Holy Spirit. He doesn't come in parts. Doesn't, God doesn't go, okay, Holy Spirit, here, you, this part of you goes into the Methodists. This part of you goes into the Lutherans. And this part. No, he come, he's a person. You get the full ghost. I don't say that disrespectfully. I'm just gonna, I'm using, I want to I get in here and blow up some of the things. Right? Then they used to call it, or they called the Holy Ghost. If you're really you know, King James, Holy Ghost, right? And he's a friendly ghost too, by the way. But he's not safe. He's not an American Holy Ghost. He's not a suburban one either. Let's go on. But there has grown up an idea that the Spirit was a quite unobtrusive presence. Have you ever been anywhere and you wondered, is the Holy Spirit here? 
For the earliest Christians, it was quite the opposite. The Spirit was always thought of as a powerful presence. It's not true. I mean, even a casual reading of the New Testament, right? Even a casual reading from Matthew to Revelation. One of the last things that's said in the last book of the Bible is the Spirit says, come, right? The Spirit was always a powerful presence. For the earliest believers, life in Christ meant life in the Spirit, which meant life characterized by power, not simply by some quiet, pervasive force. The coming of the Spirit had phenomenological evidence. I practiced that seven times back there before. (laughs) Want to try it? It's hard. I did that a couple times. I'm afraid to do it again, so let's move on. Life was, life was characterized by a dynamic quality. Did you? Okay, I'm going to sneak the. Here you go. Not, I'm going to read something that I left out just for now. So I'm going to read you a couple passages. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Or as the Brits say, 1 Corinthians. And it's cool if you're a Brit and say it, when, when Donald Trump said it, they said, ah, stupid Donald Trump said one Corinthians. And I'm thinking, I'm not saying I'm for Donald Trump, but he didn't actually, that's how C.S. Lewis said it. So if you're going to make an argument, make it accurate. Anyway, in one Corinthians, Paul, I just, I just think everybody's too jacked up. <laughs> Let me tell you how to not be jacked up. Turn the news off, and I mean freaking off. Turn it off. 1 Corinthians 2, 1. I meant Fox News, too. Everybody amended me loud. I meant that, too. I know most of you guys in this room watch uh, uh, NPR and, uh, or listen to that. Or anyway, just playing with you. 1 Corinthians 2, 1. And when I came, this is Paul. When I came to you, brothers, we'll edit that part, do we? I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Didn't I tell you that's a sea lane of power? I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching, listen, were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of dunamis. Why? so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Galatians chapter 3. If you want to know how to find Galatians, it's the GEPC, General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I won't even charge you for that help. Galatians 3. Galatians... I'm not going to tell you who said that. I know who said that. <laughs> she, she knows things about uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, too. Right. Galatians 3, 2. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so moronous? Man, Paul was nice, wasn't he? When there, there are certain things that we do wrong that God must go, what a bunch of morons. I love them, but this is level moron. What is moron? Where you try to earn the presence of God instead of believing what's presented. He says, verse five, so then, does he who provides you with the Spirit, see that? That's a gift and works miracles among you. Is that power? Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Do you see that? Dunamis in the church. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians. All the t- I love how God did this. He put all the T's together. So if, you, so if, I, if I say Timothy, then if, if you... If you open toward the two-thirds back and you get in one of the T's, you're close. So 1 Thessalonians, 2nd. Don't go to Timothy. 
go to 1 Thessalonians 1, and Paul talks about how the gospel came to the city of Thessalonica in verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in dunamis and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. When we're in the sea lane of the cross and the sea lane of preaching Christ and Jesus is in center and he's not in the back and neither is the Holy Spirit, here's what happens to people. He comes with dunamis, he comes in the person of the Spirit and with full conviction. And then stuff happens like this, verse 6. You became imitators of us in the Lord. That's discipleship. And you received this word even in a lot of trouble with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And I love verse 8. And the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but every place your faith toward God has gone forth. And they report, look what God did in them. When the dunamis is here, look at the reception we had with you. Verse 9. When the dunamis is here, how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who, here's your answer, rescues us from the wrath to come. Okay? What am I talking about? I'm talking about if, if, if many of these people came to, to the church in America today, they would say, why are you guys doing church without God? Because it would be foreign to them to not experience the dunamis in the house. You know why? Because it's God's house. It's not my house. It's not your house. It's not a, a group of church bosses' house. It's not the big donor's house. Get out of the house. It's God's house. Let's go to the next slide. I'm sucking more. No, 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 back. Sorry. You were right, I was wrong. Write that down, you won't hear that again. <laughs> the coming of the Spirit had, oh no, there's that word. Go to the next, I don't want to tell how to do that. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Bam. Bam. There. Thus the apostles exhorted, where am I at? Where am I at? Wait, go. I have preached. Oh, Tim probably made it better. He's better. He's right. The apostles, write that down. You won't ever hear that again either. The apostles exhorted the continued filling of the Holy Spirit and only sought to speak about correction when abuse and distortion was evident. It has been God's, here's where we go now. This is true. Here's where we are. It has been God's people throughout history and their ability to read the New Testament correctly, along with their frustration over the less-than-adequate norm of anemia that they experienced in their own lives and in the church around them that led to seeking for the New Testament experience in the first place. Some people get the real and call it wrong, and some people doctrinally, soundly, don't experience the real. Because you know what the real is? Dunamis. And we can fight and argue over initial evidence issues forever and a day till the cows come home and Jesus comes back. And there will be people after Jesus comes back, if he comes pre-trib, they'll be arguing after he's, we're there that they still believe in post-trib. You think I'm lying unless he does work in us? That's how hard-headed we all are. that led to seeking for the New Testament experience in the first place. The question, of course, is if that was the norm, what happened to the church in the succeeding generations? Right? Right? It's not about seeking different manifestations. It's not about winning the argument or proof texting or, or, or whatever. You know what it's about? It's about hungering for the presence of the one that Jesus said would never leave and want to be with us and do these works that people so desperately need to happen in their life. Yes. Let's close. My grandson, whom I love more than my own life, Graham Slam, 
He loves music and he loves all kinds. And when he sees me pull out my phone, wherever he is, wherever we are, he knows there's a bunch of songs on Pacha's phone. And I've got everybody you can name on there. But Graham says, and if he said it once, he said it five million times. How about Billy Joel Restaurant? Those of you who aren't Billy Joel fans, there's a song called Themes from an Ita- Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. That's his jam. And I'll say, and, and I, I've played that a few times. And so is Dev, and so is Shelbs, and you know, that's his, that's his jam. You got a couple of minutes? All right. I'm going somewhere with this. And I'll be driving down the road. He'll go, Billy Joe Restaurant? How about Billy Joe Restaurant? I'll say, how about Mickey's Jingle Bells? He'll go, no, not Mickey's Jingle Bells. How about Billy Joe Restaurant? How about Hard Day's Night? No, no Hard Day's Night. How about Billy Joe Restaurant? And on and on we go until guess what? I mean, we're jamming, right? Jesus said, here's the way God wants you to approach him. Let's say you've put the kids to bed and it's late in the night and you're asleep and you're snuggled in and you have the pillow just right and you are in. You're, you're there, baby. You know that groove, you're in there and you're, uh, you got your flannel sheets on. and Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, your friend's out there, hey, you wake. I need something from you. You got any bread? You're like, oh, jeez. You could have texted me. I would have ignored it. And you don't answer. And he's like, hey, hey, Louie. What? I need some bread, man. My friends just came in from there. I know it's late. They didn't eat. You got some bread. He's like, look, dude, shut up. My kids are in bed, you knucklehead. I'm adding my parts to it. Because Jesus said it the nice way. We'd all be like, I can't get out of bed and give you this. What does Jesus say? He won't get up and do it because he's his friend, but because this knucklehead won't quit. He'll get up and, oh, and won't you? All right, then, here. Here's the whole kitchen. Get out of here, man, right? That is the image Jesus gives us when he tells us to approach God with this audacious, How about Billy Joel Restaurant? And the good thing about God the Father and God the Son is ask and keep on asking and you'll receive and keep on receiving. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be opened and will keep on being opened. And on and on. Because which of you fathers, if your son ask for a fish, would give him a serpent. If you know how to give good gifts, how much more, and Luke says this, will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Well, I thought we had the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. He comes in full. There is, what he is saying there is when you, he's in us, but we, we need, we need this ongoing continual filling. And so, I wish I had time. I would have made a, a card. Let's go to the next one. I would have made a card and I would have laminated it for you so you could have these to pray this way when you think about what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, here, here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. Everybody stand, please. I want you to think of my, my, my grandson, Grand Slam, Graham Slam. Asking Pacha, asking Daddy. Right? Billy Joel Restaurant. <laughs> right? I've played Billy Joel Restaurant from the 12, 12 Gardens Live to the actual studio thing, man, and on and on and on. And I just, I, I never want to get to a place where when Graham's t- playing it somewhere that it, I, I won't remember this and use this as an illustration on the, auda- the audacious way Jesus and the Father want us to approach him regarding the fullness of the Spirit. And we come like and we say, I want the Holy Spirit in his wisdom. You think God would turn that down? 
Here's another one. I want the Holy Spirit to guide me in your will. Do you think God will not put you immediately in the sea lane? I want the Holy Spirit to quench my thirst, and I want to be under his influence. So when the animal in you starts rising up, and you're going through a hardship, and you go through a, a downtime, and, you, and you're used to turning to something that's destructive, something that leads to dissipation, whatever it might be, or just to make you comfortably numb like Pink Floyd's you know, song, which is not a good place to be. Instead, Lord, this is a sign that I'm thirsting for something this world can't give. Babylon is, a, is, is phony. I, need, I am thirsting. Quench my thirst. I want to be under your influence. Do you think a father would turn that down? How about this? I want the Holy Spirit to take me beyond my limitations in uttered scripture. It says, speak to yourself in Psalms, hymns. We can go beyond ourselves. We can go past our intellect where the Spirit of God brings up like a fountain Scripture, words from the Scriptures, songs and praise and prayer. We can pray beyond ourselves. We can pray beyond words in the language of the Spirit. Do you think God... Do you think God? I've had people say, oh, if I seek that, what if I get another spirit? Let me, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. You know, before I knew Jesus, I exposed my life to a lot of influences. How about you? But in God's prevenient grace, when I wasn't seeking God, when I was actually searching Hinduism just months before being converted powerfully by the Spirit of God to Jesus Christ and started quoting mantras I didn't get a demon. No weird ghost jumped in me. Let me ask you this. If God was able to protect you and me proveniently by his grace when I wasn't turning to him, now that I'm in the city of refuge where the, where the, 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 the slaughterer who wants to get me for blood guilt, for breaking the law, and I've fled to the refuge of the city of God where my high priest lives. How in the world could I possibly seek the Spirit of God from the Father and Satan usurp my Father's love and jump into me? How foolish! Quit preaching that! Moronis. Quit scaring God's sheep. Let me help you. The devil is God's devil. It's not the other way around. He's on a leash. He has no say. Everything in life must come through the Father's hand to the blood-bought saint. That's the word of the Lord. Now you might get you might get unbalanced, you might get but and I'm sick and tired of people who have a big audience calling people heretics when their hunger for God might be leading them toward extremities. There's a big difference from a hungry person trying to find truth. You can take a snapshot of them and call them a heretic, but they might pass you up the road someday, you dry desert. Here's your problem. Here's my problem. It's the last one. You want to become irresistible to God? Holy Spirit, I will humble myself toward you. I will shut my mouth until you open it with praise. I will not only humble myself toward you, but your people, so Jesus might be revered in me. I want to say one more thing. I had all this, and I was praising the Lord in my house. And I'm just going to tell you how it went down. I asked him, Lord, would you help me to understand what the love of God is? And I wrote this. If you would ask me how to describe the love of God the best I could, it would be this. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Take every experience you can ever remember from your whole life where you felt loved by somebody. 
I mean really loved by somebody and it went past the wall and the insecurities and the uncertainties and touched you in that place in the deep core of you. Whether that love came from a parent or a grandparent or just a special person that God put in your pathway to reach you and show you that someone truly valued you whether you felt like you deserved it or not. And you know what? There are also many times we can't even remember some of those moments, but they did happen to us. And there are other times that we can remember and we treasure those people and we treasure those moments because that's the best kind of love we've ever experienced. Now, take all of those wonderful people and all of those wonderful moments and realize in comparison to the love of God, they were like a drop of water compared to every drop of water in all the oceans of the world combined, coming like one life-giving tsunami of tenderness and kindness and gentleness and favor to hold you and hug you in the deepest place of your being when you needed it the most. Even when you're not only even when you weren't looking and even when you were looking elsewhere and didn't want God that is what made Paul fall to his knees and pray Father fill them with the power of the Spirit so that they can grasp what no man can grasp the love you have in Jesus for them Father I pray that you from the back to the front would release a tsunami of what I just described poorly beyond man's intellect, beyond our knowledge, to go to the deep place within every person here and liberate them into the love of God and fill them with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. As this band plays and as Devin leads in this song, I want to invite anybody thirsty, anybody hungry, Anybody wanting to be under a better influence, anybody that's tired of a dry and thirsty walk, to walk from where you are to that location of faith, to that location of faith where God has promised, above the mercy seat, I will meet you there. Come from the four winds, O Lord, we pray and breathe on these bones that they might live. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, and there is healing, and there's deliverance, and there are miracles that man can't perform. Come and take freely the floodgates of the mercies of God in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God. Honor Jesus' finished work on Calvary's cross with the accompanying signs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.